0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Detroit Lions Breakdown Podcast. I'm Joe Kania. With me as always is Eric Schlitt from prideofdetroit.com. Eric, the Lions steamrolled the Broncos on Saturday, oh, yeah. 42-17. A result not many saw coming. Uh, you did pick them to win, but you didn't think they were going to roll over them the way they did. No, I had them uh, just winning by three,
1: right? Or, uh, or four or something like that. Yeah, I think it was three. And so... um I was expecting it to be close. I did like, you know, we did talk about the fact that they there were some there were some weaknesses that they could exploit, and they exploited uh, them. They absolutely did, and um, I think there's some similarities uh, that you're going to see and some parallels that you're going to see with this Vikings team uh, as well. The Vikings team is uh, ailing a little bit more on offense. Uh, their defense though is a little bit be- is is better than even though the Broncos were. Are, Defense was really good. I think the the Vikings defense is maybe a little bit better. Uh, they're more creative. and um, But they present a lot of similar type, type of problems. And those are problems the Lions dealt with very well uh, against the Broncos. And that's an encouraging sign that they'll be able to deal with them again uh, when they face the Vikings this Sunday.
0: All right, playoff berth on the line for the Lions. Actually, it's not the playoff berth. It's the division championship will be on the line for the Lions in the game. Playoff berth could be sewed up later this evening, this evening being Thursday, if the Rams lose, although they're winning at halftime over the Saints. Mm -hmm. uh, I think if Seattle loses also the Lions would get in. That's that's really not a concern for today. Big one would be is uh, win and storm your way into the playoffs, storm your way into the division championship. So – Let's dig into it first with the transactions. Number one, quarterback Hendon Hooker is activated,
1: yeah. so Hendon was uh, his his evaluation window was up, and they had to figure out whether or not they wanted to uh, activate him or 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 uh, you know, put him back on NFI or leave him, I guess, on NFI and uh, effectively ending his season. But they looked at the concept of being able to develop him for the remainder of the season, plus the playoffs and the ability to have him available as an emergency third quarterback during the playoffs, which is something that um, was a problem for uh, the San Francisco 49ers last year. Um, remember, if you recall over the off season, the lions presented a, um, a, a new rule change that would allow for an emergency quarterback and the league uh, modified it and accepted it. And so now you're seeing the lion's, Potential looking like they're going to be taking advantage of a rule that they wanted changed. And so Hendon is gonna, I don't think he's gonna be anything more than quarterback three. Um Teddy Bridgewater is still going to be cleared quarterback two. So I know there's a lot of In people final weeks, yeah. I know there's a lot of player. Exactly. Um, I know there's a lot of people that are saying, well, maybe if the Lions are you know, if week 18 doesn't matter, they're stuck in their spot, no matter what, maybe we'll see Hendon hooker. I don't think we would. I think we would see Teddy. Um, but yeah, there's I think too
0: little time left in the year to get Hendon hooker up and ready for that. Right.
1: Game. And so, um, I mean, even like, I wouldn't even see him like, even at like a halftime type of thing, you know, like taking out more of the second half or something like that. I, I kind of think, we're gonna see Hendon Hooker next year. And that's just I've I've kind of resigned myself to that um that idea. So um nice thing is he gets a chance to develop. One of the reasons that Bridgewater was brought in, one of the primary reasons he was brought in was to help facilitate Hooker's transition to the NFL. And so he this is a this is a big opportunity for them. They get at least another month, and um ideally they can take advantage of that and You'd be surprised how much that early growth, that first few months of like when you are, you know, getting back into or get, getting into the NFL and acclimating, you can make, you know, some pretty significant jumps in those first few months in the league. And obviously, uh, he's been doing the film study, but, you know, getting on the field, getting to throw the ball, that's a different animal. And uh, he's going to have a lot of that experience uh, heading into the offseason.
0: Yeah, I think it was it was big time important to get him on the fifty three man roster instead of shutting him down for the year. He's he's got to be at practice. He'll see how everything goes. He'll start absorbing the playbook all while it matters. So mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a good thing. We'll see how he develops going forward. Next up, kicker Riley Patterson. So not I mean when you get down to it, it's not surprising because they wouldn't trust him from over fifty yards and right you know like. They they felt shaky about him, but he was waived before the uh the Bronco game. No, after after the Bronco game. Oh, he was, okay. Well, he was, either it, way, they elevated Badgley yes, and yes. eventually waived Riley Patterson. Yeah.
1: yeah, he was so he was inactive um and then eventually waved. Uh waived to make room uh for Hendon Hooker. Um so so Dave Phipp, uh the special teams coordinator revealed that they had been having a behind the scenes competition since the buy. So for the last five weeks and that Badgley had just looked like the better kicker. And eventually he was significantly better enough that they felt it was the right time to make a move. And so they did. And uh, right now Badgley is still on the practice squad. He has been elevated once for the Broncos game, uh, He has two more elevations remaining, but by the end of the season, they're going to have to make a decision on adding him to the roster, uh, which is getting tight, right? Adding Hendon, adding Patterson. They got a couple more guys coming down the pipe, at least three that they may have to add, maybe four. So the roster is going to go through some changes over the last few weeks here. And, um, you know, Patterson is the, the first, the first victim of of this uh, roster maneuvering, and so it'll be it'll be uh, Badgley, uh for the foreseeable future. And I know he's still in the practice squad, and I know that leaves him eligible to be poached uh, by another team. But the reality is, he just won't be uh, for so many different reasons. One. He's not really going to get an opportunity to play anywhere else because every other team has a kicking spot already filled. And if they did have um, uh, a, an opening, let's say, the Lions could just sign him at that time if they wanted. Uh, Badgley would have to agree to go to them. They can't. They can't just like claim him like like a waiver wire type of thing. Um, and so, and then, and and with him, he's not going to want to essentially screw over his team that he's been with for a year that's giving him an opportunity to kick and has plans to bring him on to go to some other random team that you know is just looking for uh, spare parts essentially and so I don't he's not going to get poached Uh, I think hopefully people aren't overly concerned about that I know there was uh, a few people that that raised that question but uh, I'm not I'm not worried about it. There's too many factors in play that would say that that's not a a wise decision.
0: It would be fun if they did the wrestling heel turn where the Vikings (laughs) yanked them off the practice squad a day before the game. And now the Lions have no kicker going into the Vikings. But
1: like, what would, what would it take though? It would take like an insane amount of money. They'd have to cut a guy that's on their roster and they wouldn't play him. So he
0: would have to agree to sign with them and not play it would be interesting. What if some <laughs> team had like? you remember the Lions for a couple of weeks? there only had fifty fifty one guys sure. on the main roster. Yeah, last, yeah. Well, what last if year. there was a team that was doing the same thing? Now had two open spots, but like, I don't think there is though. Well, okay, but yes, I hear it's what you're saying. Eric. Sure. And, and that's what they decide. And they have you know extra money under the salary cap. It's like, well, we want to do one final screw well, over. You know, we again win though, this game. Here's one get, thing we're going to do to try to get us there.
1: The the thing is, is again, he'd have to agree with it and, and the reputation that he would get from it would, uh, as, as, as much of a fun story as it would be. It would be a fun story. It's, it's, he would be killing his reputation.
0: it's, It's, it's just not realistic. What if he was like 41 years old and he knew it was the end? They offered five million dollars. <laughs> like, come on, how would you turn that down?
1: All right, all right. Well, now you're now we're turning him into a new person. So
0: <laughs> well, that's well, that's I'm just playing a hypothetical game. Oh, something okay. for us to to take a look at years from now, potentially. Sure. Probably I mean... not gonna you laid it all out there. It's not gonna happen this week, <laughs> it's not gonna happen through the end of the year, but this is something we gotta watch for going forward. Uh yeah, maybe, maybe.
1: I you know what the NFL is always in the business of trying to. Make the other guy
0: look worse. Sounds like some a vintage Belichick would have done. All right. <laughs> Cornerback Craig James signed to the practice squad, and the team releases Michael Schofield.
1: Ah, uh, so James was a gunner for Philadelphia when Dave Phipp was the the la- I think it was the last season that Phipp was their coordinator. Uh, either last season or second to last season. So this is a guy that uh, FIP knows, and with uh, an injury that the Lions have at corner, looks like he's brought in for uh, depth, insurance, potential gunner. Um, the gunner spot has not been really good this uh, lately. When they started the season, uh, they have they had a pretty nice tandem. Uh, but since then, they've either had to make a player players inactive, or they've had they put bl- players into bigger roles, and because of that, their gunner play has kind of dropped off. And so, it'll be interesting to see if if James is utilized in that capacity uh, down the stretch. Uh, at 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 worst, he is a uh, he he is a a nice in, uh, depth insurance piece. Um, as far as Schofield, it's a bit surprising to see them lose an offensive lineman. Uh, but they had plenty, right? So they have their their eight that are on the roster currently, but then they also have an additional uh, three on the practice squad, plus the um, the international player. So that's a, a fourth if they if they needed him. And losing Schofield uh, isn't like I said detrimental. It's just a little surprising, at the same time they're going to be moves that are going to be surprising down the stretch because of the players that they're expected to bring back.
0: Injury report, defensive back, CJ Gardner-Johnson, his torn pectoral muscle, the evaluation window started, and he's been talking about it. He expects to be back and playing soon.
1: Yeah, very much. Um, and so he's going to be probably the first domino to fall, right? Like he could be the first guy that that's brought back. Um, depending on a couple of the other injuries on the roster, there's a few different avenues that they could take to bring him back. It's possible. He's back as soon as this weekend at the same time, he hasn't played football in a couple of months. And so there's usually a acclimation process. Um, but he's a veteran and he could move through that acclimation process, you know, quickly. And he's, he's done a lot of rehab to get ready for this. So, uh, wouldn't surprise me at all if he's activated this week. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if, if it took, you know, another.
0: Fullback, Jason Cabinda, knee injury. His evaluation windows also started. So Kabinda, we know almost nothing about, right? Like even when he was
1: injured initially, we didn't even know it was a knee injury at first, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so when he went on IR, I think we kind of, We found that out a a little bit later and then um, there haven't really been any any updates. Uh, Campbell has brought him up a couple of times, but hasn't really gone into details. Uh, So again, I don't know if he had to have surgery. I don't know what was required uh, with his injury, uh, what exactly it was beyond just me. And, so it's, again, it's kind of up in the air with him. It's possible he's ready to return this week. It's also possible he takes the entire uh, 21 days of the evaluation window. So
0: uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Cabinda uh, at this time. Tight end. Brock Wright, groin injury, did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Looks like he's going to be out. So if he is out
1: uh, and Kabinda is ready, that is a spot that they could, they could bring Kabinda in Free and help up. him. Yeah. Like that's kind of like a, that's, that's a spot now. I'm, I don't know where they would get the spot necessarily on the roster, uh, but that's a role that if they, the, that they might be looking to fill because if Brock Wright can't play, they might need like a player that can be a blocker and a contributor on special teams and Kabinda can do that. So it's possible that, um, This is what it's leaning towards. Uh, If Brock rates it's, I think if they actually listed him as a hip, originally they announced it as a groin. So that's kind of what I've left it at. But um, if his hip slash groin is injured significantly and he has to go on IR, well, you know, he goes to IR, Kabinda comes back and it's kind of a one for one. You don't have to worry about the roster spot at the same time. I don't know if you want to put your tight end two on IR if you don't have to, especially because he wouldn't be available to return until uh, the first round of the playoffs. So I don't know uh, what's going to happen with Brock. Uh, And we, like I said, we haven't really got an update. He got injured at the end of the first half, didn't play the second. And that's about the end of that. So We'll have to wait and see what happens uh, this week. But like you said, soft tissue injury, not practicing Wednesday, Thursday is is usually not a good sign.
0: Right tackle. Panay Sewell, shoulder injury, limited Wednesday, full practice Thursday.
1: So he should be good to go. Uh, And the fact that they released Schofield, who who was his backup, uh, even though he was on the practice squad. He was the next in line because Matt Nelson's on IR, right? Um, uh, Schofield was that next guy. The fact that they released Schofield is a pretty good indicator that, uh,
0: Sewell's going to be just fine. Center Frank Ragnow toe back and knee injuries, full practice Wednesday, rested on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, his
1: story is just continues to get more remarkable. Um, actually had to have his meniscus surgically repaired, uh, which is why he missed the game against Chicago, but he was back less than two weeks uh, to play against the Broncos and he didn't allow a sack, didn't allow a pressure. Like I think he allowed, maybe he allowed one pressure, but um, it's just an absolute animal. Like he's just like, it just doesn't make sense. Right. I mean, I, I I remember the fact that he played with through a a fractured throat where he couldn't even talk. Right. But like, so like, like uh, Dan Campbell said earlier in the week, Frank's just, he he so bad, doesn't want to let his teammates down. He just has this insane ability to use his mind to convince his body that he's okay. And then he just plays through stuff. They give him uh, scheduled days off to make sure he doesn't overwork it, uh, kind of to save him from himself type of thing. And uh, he's been good to go. So I expect him to be good to go again. Everything seems to be lining up for them to have their starting offensive line uh, back again this week.
0: We're several weeks away from these episodes, but one of the things to be put on the list of Lions needs will be as a center to replace Frank Ragnow one day, because this can't keep up forever.
1: Well, he's only 27, right? Yeah. But uh, look
0: at all these injuries, this list of injuries, just because he's some dude, he's not going to play until he's 38. You know, he's very good, but maybe he only makes it to 29.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, well, I think he's got probably five good years left in him. That's kind of my guess. I expect him to get another contract um, just because he's, he's, he's remarkable in his ability to just sustain stuff. And so um, look right now, this makes resigning Graham Glasgow this off season, a huge priority, right? Cause you got to have a, you got, you have to have a capable center behind Frank for when he can't go, but, yeah. I mean, if you can find that guy in the draft as well as re signing Ragnar, all the better.
0: Do you have the stat, like when the Lions offensive line is together? Do you have any? Aren't they undefeated or what kind of stats do we have? Oh, Seattle?
1: um, I think they're they've only been together like five or six times. And I think the only game they've lost is the Seattle game.
0: Okay. And and it's and the, I think. Uh, that,
1: that was when technically Vitai was the was the starter, not Glasgow.
0: Yeah, but that was still he was still the starter. The, Correct. The whole this is the Lions superstar, right? It's yeah. the, that whole offensive lines, the Lions superstar. When they have them, yeah. they, they become rather tough to beat. Well, right. look, man,
1: that Denver, that Denver, uh, we'll talk about this more in a second, but that Denver front
0: got, you know, put in check because of this offensive line. Defensive tackle, Levi Onzarike, knee injury, limited Wednesday, full practice Thursday. So he's uh, got a little dinged up in the game,
1: wasn't removed from the game, uh, so he might have had some residual pain following. Um, took,
0: a, took it easy at the beginning, and everything's
1: uh, back in shape. Should be good to go.
0: Linebacker, Derek Barnes, shoulder injury, limited Wednesday, Thursday. There was some concern when he went down there on Saturday. It's like, uh-oh.
1: Yeah. And then, and then he, well, I didn't think he'd come back and then he did. Uh, and the fact that he came back uh, though, they're usually going to take it very slow with a guy who has to leave uh, the game. Uh, even though he did return a guy who has to leave the game, go to the locker room and get checked usually gets a lighter workload the next week. So I think this is more of the same. Um, and even if he's limited on Friday, I still expect him to be
0: in a good spot. Even
1: if he's given a questionable designation, I still think he's going to be in a good spot.
0: Cornerback Jerry Jacobs, hamstring injury didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday.
1: So this is a a same situation as Brock, Wright' Um, Soft tissue injury, no practice Wednesday, Thursday is not a good sign for him. His availability, if his hamstring injury is serious, which they often can be, he could be, he could end up on uh, IR. If he goes on IR, this maybe that opens the spot for Gardner Johnson, right? Um, it'd be a shame to lose Jerry because he's 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 great. Uh, gives that corner room depth. He's great. He's a good gunner, and um, you know you don't want to lose him. At the same time, injuries can't be avoided, right? And 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 it's he's dealing with one right now that is can be finicky right it could be a one where he returns on friday and is able to play or you know he's got to sit for a month it's it's hard to tell uh to, because there's such variation with the hamstrings um but signs are not positive at this time as far as playing this weekend we'll see what happens beyond that though
0: all right but before we talk about this weekend let's go back in time to saturday Lions dominating 42-17 win over the Broncos up 21 to nothing at the half led by the youngsters.
1: Yeah. Like five touchdowns for the for the rookies. Um Gibbs has one receiving, he has one um on the ground. Laporta has three of them uh through the air. Laporta has five catches, three touchdowns. Like it's just he now has um he he is the most Uh, touchdowns by a Lions tight end ever, not just rookie tight ends, a Lions tight end ever. He is uh, three touchdowns away from the, the the tight end record for the league. Um, It's, it's a rookie, sorry, rookie tight end record for the league. Uh, That's Dick uh, who holds that with a 12.
0: It's amazing. Dick has held that record for so long.
1: Yeah. Well, and the only one that's come close to him is Gronk who had 10. And so, um, you know, Laporta could jump Gronk and then maybe even catch Dick if he gets one a game. Right. So, um, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Laporta is only a handful of catches away from, uh, breaking the lions tight end catch record, which is held by Pettigrew. He's only a handful of yards away from breaking the yards in one season by a tight end, uh, which is also held by Pettigrew. And, um, you know, it's it's it seems like a matter of time before Laporta is going in, in his rookie season is probably going to hold almost every single tight end's record that the Lions have. He's going to have catches, yards, and touchdowns probably uh, in the bag uh, by the end of the season, which is uh, remarkable for a position that is notorious for having a slow, uh, a very slow learning curve.
0: Yeah, growth rate. Yeah, slow learning uh,
1: curve. His his blocking is. His blocking is really unbelievable. Compared Dan Campbell saw, loves
0: his blocking. Uh,
1: compared to what we saw at Iowa, right? Like, he looks like a totally different guy. And maybe that's just Steve Hyden, um, you know, giving him, you know, blocking tips, or maybe that's just him growing, or maybe it's Laporta growing at a rapid rate. But what Laporta is able to do right now is everything – that we were promised with TJ Hawkinson, right? And uh, it just that just never came to fruition, and so we're seeing it, it with Laporta. He is a true complete tight end. And when you look at the true complete tight ends in the league, uh, there's only a couple of them, right? Like there's a lot of good passing, pass catching tight ends. There's only a couple that can do everything. And we're talking like in the in the the Kittle Kelsey type range, right? Like that's where Laporta's ceiling can be. Um, right now, he's in the top five tight end in the league conversation, or or at least he will be at the start of next season. Like that's that's an amazing start to his career. Uh, and, and I honestly, Gibbs is going to be in the top com- top running back conversation next year as well. He's going to be talked about as you know a potential how high is he, how high can he go? Like he, him and him and Montgomery are within 200 yards or so of both going over a thousand and what Gibbs and Gibbs looks like he's getting better. Does he not look like he's getting better each oh, week? Oh yeah. He's
0: getting better. Like,
1: like, and that's that's this is the time of year when rookies are usually hitting the wall and making mistakes and slowing down. And Gibbs looks like he's con- continuing to ascend. And that is a, a scary thing for teams, uh, opponents of the Lions in the future. So, you know, the rookies are looking good. I thought Jack Campbell did well, stepping up uh, with Barnes, you know, needing some some timeout. I thought Branch was back to his old ways, playing about 75% of the snaps, uh, smacking people around. Again, he had two massive big hits in this game. And, um, you know, the rookies are, right now, all four of those guys are critical to what the Lions are doing as a team. And so they, they when they show up like this, the team can roll.
0: Yeah, Laporta provides like a, a true number two to Amon Ross, St. Brown, where yeah. you have these two Pro Bowl caliber pass catchers. You know, Gibbs is right up there, could be a Pro Bowler. Same thing with Montgomerys. They have these four offensive skill players that really make a difference, which in turn, like make – Jamison Williams, Josh well, Jamison Williams is another conversation we'll say, you mm-hmm. know, for a few weeks from now, Josh Reynolds, Klee Freeman kind of makes them all just better, you know, yeah. makes them more valuable in a way because of how good that the rest of them are. And it's a great problem to have and they'll be around next year. Um, who's the one getting them all the ball? Jared Goff, five TD passes. But once it function of the offensive line, look what happens when he has all day to throw and he's yeah. not really worried about running for his life it makes it look easy
1: yeah you know i think he looked um he looked a little shaky in the first quarter um and he and... realized everything's going to be okay <laughs> and maybe <laughs> maybe that's what it was like cuz his his end of game numbers you would not have guessed he struggled at all and through the first quarter he did look a little nervous he did look like he rushed um it did look like he he wasn't quite seeing the field the, the first two drives, when they, they ended, the third down plays that they ended, he had an open receiver on both of those. One of them was St. Brown, one of them was the Porta, and they were wide open, uh, it, at the you know, a little bit beyond the first down marker, and he just didn't see him. And that happens, right? But that, but for it to happen two times on the first two drives was uh, a bit surprising. And then he settled. When he settled, man, he was, he was great. And, uh, He looked cool, calm, composed. And like you said, the offensive line, we talked going into the game about the fact that Denver blitzes a lot. And that offensive line, they picked up all those blitzes. Um, They gave him just massive pockets to play play from. And um, it just, he had that time and he knew, like you said, he knew it was going to be okay. And when he has that confidence that he can sit there, he'll take those hits. He'll, he'll sit there and take hits. Like he's not, sc- he's not scared of taking hits.
0: No, uh, he, but it's just, thinking, if he's having a lot of them, if he's taking a lot of them, it starts to mess with him. See, I don't think hits, it's a fear thing. It's just yeah, the fear, the fear of, well, I, I got to throw this. I got to do something because they're bearing down on me. Not because I, I, I don't want to get hit. Yeah, I mean, nobody I wants he, to get hit, but you know. I think he tries to be so cautious with the
1: ball that he would rather take a sack than get hit while he's throwing. And then it turned into like a fumble, uh, an interception or a fumble or something like that. Right. And when he was on that streak where he had all those turnovers in that short period of time, I think he was trying to be more cautious to prevent the turnovers. And I think that was, you know, limiting his ability to kind of cut it loose against Denver. He didn't have to worry. He didn't seem to worry about that at all. And uh, it was definitely, you could, you could tell the difference on the field.
0: Uh, Well, another area where you saw the difference on the field was on defense, five straight games where they surrendered at least 26 points to the opponent. And with two weeks before that, you know, six of the last seven, at least 26 points. Uh, Lions held the Broncos to 17, looked visibly better on defense. They gave up 17, but you know, the game was already over when they started giving up points. Uh, led by Iffy Melifonwu, who was uh, a guy where, you know, there was a couple of guys at work throughout the week going like, is this guy new? Where did this guy come from? And, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, he's been around.
1: So the iffy story, right, starts out with getting drafted in the third round and then uh, as a corner and being injured right off the bat. And then he gets healthy and he's starting to get some run and then he gets injured again. Then he gets back healthy, and he's and he's getting on the field late in the season. And then um, there's just not a lot of time. Lines are too aren't good enough, and he just you don't see a whole lot of them. Then the second season, he gets injured again, which costs him the majority of the season. Uh, but they're also decided that they're going to switch him to safety. So his uh, he gets a start down the stretch against Carolina, which was arguably their worst game of the year, right? Uh, He did not look great. That game looked good. The next, the following week against the bears. Uh, But then the players returned to health and he was back on the bench, spent the majority of the bench on the, on the uh, this year as well. Um, Injured his hand and played was managed to play through it. But I think once that hand healed and what they were seeing from him in practice was enough to say, okay, he gives us a better shot. Now, with ify ify is 63205 and he runs a 44 and you got to remember his ify's got great genes right remember his brother got drafted like way early in the first round um because he was like this freak athlete at safety and ify has those same genes he's he's this this tremendous athlete that can do a lot of really think really impressive things athletically but He lacked experience at the safety position. He, he was, uh, he's still developing in a lot of areas. Injuries had limited him, but he has all the talent that you could ask for. That being said, what he did on Sunday was more than I think even what anyone expected. Like he had probably six plays that were like, whoa, plays, like yeah, the,
0: the maker type plays. Yeah.
1: Like the, like the, he, blitzed. well, the
0: sack is, is the, ridiculous. Right. <laughs> um
1: the, the sack was video game,
0: like sack, even in video um, games, you don't pull that off. You usually got to pull the safety all the way down to the line of scrimmage. If you're going to say, I
1: mean, he, he, and then he, and then he, he blitzed from like 20 yards, 15 yards back another time and almost got Russ forced him uh, to throw the ball out of bounds and ended the seer ended the drive. My favorite play though was when the Lions were in cover two and they ran a beater, a cover two beater down the, uh, the middle of the field. He peeled off his, uh, his over the top outside coverage, peeled back. Cause he saw the, the middle was open. Um, he was there early. And, but instead of like just playing through the defender, he like hesitated for like half a second, timed it jumped and then punch the ball out like with impeccable timing and the the ability to just that that mini pause is like hard that's a hard thing to do when you're running flat out and then to turn and run to play catch up and then be able to pause so that you don't get pass interference that's hard and so that I was super impressed by that punch out was like textbook as well. He had a, uh, another pass breakup in the end zone where he goes up between he, he was late in, in coverage and he had to acceleration to make it, make it up. And then he could didn't have time to turn, but what does he do? He puts his hands up in between the arms of the receiver and knocks the ball loose again that way. So like it was just a lot of veteran savvy moves for a young player that has an insane amount of athleticism, and it should be extremely encouraging. Um, I compared him and his game to Chauncey Gardner, except he's just bigger and more athletic. Like, so he's he's kind of he's 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 that ability to play in the box, play in the slot, play deep that 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 Chauncey has, or I should say, I guess CJ. CJ he's Gardner. CJ Gardner. his
0: name too on all talking. the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, but that that won't happen till next year. Thankfully, so we can we're gonna stick with it for now. But um, the ceiling for Iffy is is encouraging, and he's you know third year like Barnes. Look at Barnes's development in his third year. We could see a similar type thing where it's like all of a sudden, hey, look at these guys that are now in year four that are now starters uh, on the Lions, and all of a sudden it's like Brad Holmes looks even more uh, like a genius.
0: Jerry Jacobs bench for Khalil Dorsey. We already talked about Jacobs and how it doesn't look good that he's going to play this weekend, but uh, we'll be seeing more of Dorsey, we'll be seeing more of Kindle Vildor in all likelihood, right?
1: Yeah, Dorsey Outside played of, uh, Sutton. Yeah, Dorsey played 75%, Vildor played about 25%, um which is mirrors what he did in Chicago where uh, Jerry played 75 and, and they did a 75-25. And so I kind of expect that to continue. They like Vildor. And they're willing to blitz both those guys as well. Uh, and so we'll see what will happen right now. They're pretty, they, they're confident in Dorsey. Uh, but I can tell you right now, rotating these two guys, it has a plus and a minus. The plus is you're getting two different guys experience. because, And so like if one goes down, you still have another guy with experience that you can turn to. But at the same time, if you are having to split these two guys, it's probably because one of them is not good enough to start uh, by, you know, just outright. And so that's, that's concerning to me. So hopefully Dorsey and, uh, and uh, Vildor continue to play well. Uh, But I do think the outside cornerback position is potentially a weak spot for the lions and, could be something that they have to hit hard in the offseason.
0: All right. Let's talk Vikings. Right. Vikings are coming into the game seven and seven. Lions heading out to Minneapolis at 10 and four. Lions favored by three going into the game. It's going to be on Fox one o'clock on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Eddie Albert, Jonathan Vilma, and Shannon Spake on the call. The referee will be Land Clark, four years as a referee. 6 years overall in the NFL 12.6 penalties per game slightly above the 11.88 average.
1: So that that a league average has been dipping. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah, it was um, over
0: 12 now it's under 12. Let them play. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was it was a, even over 12 and a half at one point and so now it's uh its decline is actually pretty good. A pretty nice indicator um that they are letting them play a little bit more. Uh, at the same time, we haven't seen Land Clark in a while. Uh, last game, I believe he played, uh, if I'm not mistaken, or he reffed for the Lions, was in Chicago last year. So it would have been a, uh, uh, it's
0: been a while. Big concerns last week when it came to the officiating because the Lions draw a lot of penalties and yeah, uh, the, the Broncos don't get many called against them. Broncos had four for 40 called against them. Lions had two for 54. One was that big pass interference call. So not yeah. a lot of penalties in that game, you know, just yeah, the one I, that really hurt the Lions, but otherwise, you know, pretty run of the mill game.
1: Yeah, It was pretty surprising, right? I, I, there were more flags, I think, and some of them were, were, you know, like there was one time where the Lions were flagged twice on one play. Right. And they, you know, so they only got one uh, assessed to them, but it did seem like a relatively, uh, clean game uh from from a flag standpoint
0: dvoa uh for each team lions overall number seven offensively sixth overall eighth throwing the ball fourth running the ball on defense s- about the middle of the pack number 15 16th against the pass fourth against the rush 20th and special teams slowly sinking special teams rating yeah Vikings overall number 21, offensively also number 21, 18th throwing the ball, 28th running the ball, defensively though, fifth overall, seventh against the pass, ninth against the rush, one of the worst special team squads in the league, 29th.
1: They, um, it, it when we get into the roster a little bit more, we'll you know, we'll we'll talk about how this has been a Vikings team that is essentially on offense had three different seasons. Right. Because right. through the first, um, I was eight games or maybe not even eight games. I mean, it was five, I forget what it was, but like they, it was Kirk cousins. Right.
0: And, uh, no, it was like six games. Right. And so, um, Cousins has eight starts on the season. I oh, mean, okay. I don't so, know if they were, I think they were consecutive, right.
1: Yes. Yes. So it was eight. So they, they start the season one and four cousins leads them on three, uh, draw three games in a row where they get it back to four and four dug him out and, of the hole. Yep. And then he tears his Achilles and he is done for the year and they, their backup at the time was Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins though was also on IR at the time, and so they had to turn to Jay, uh, uh, Jaron Hall, the rookie, and they had to get him into the game to close out their that eighth game to to keep get them even at four and four. But they said, no, "Look, we're not ready to turn the ball over to Hall," so they trade for Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs comes in, and no one knows how to deal with him. He goes, he's on fire first couple of games they win two more games right and then all of a sudden josh dobbs comes back to earth and they lose and they lose and they and then eventually they're like okay the josh dobbs experiment is over we want to go back to nick mullins um they came out of the bye. i think they were playing what was it the raiders and it was a a terrible game uh against the raiders
0: one of the Uh, lowest scoring modern games in nfl history
1: yes Three nothing. So that game, Josh Dobbs couldn't do anything. He was turning the ball over. The Raiders couldn't do anything. They were a mess. Vikings were a mess. Um, and and so then they bench Dobbs for Mullins, who leads them on a drive to go down and kick an insane three points. Amazing and uh, all the offense it, they needed. That was it. That was and that was enough. They turned to Nick Mullins for their next start, uh, and he. Uh, looks okay until
0: he doesn't and then uh, they fall they, short against the Bengals they end up losing in overtime exactly and then that's, well, that's the fine seven. stats, but turned over the
1: ball when he shouldn't have and yeah twice in the red zone at the end of the half right so um i tell you that second interception i don't it, it, it was on saturday so i know a lot of people probably watched that game uh but if you didn't watch the game his first interception was just um it was a bad throw. He had, he had a couple bad throws that could have been picks. And that one just happened to be, but the second one, as he's getting sacked, going to the ground and he just blindly tries to throw it and throws it right into the face of the defensive lineman that is tackling him. And the ball <laughs> never hits the ground. Like that was uh textbook, what not to do, like, just take the sack. It's okay. Uh, instead he's, I don't even know what he's. I don't know what he's trying to accomplish by throwing the ball there. Like you're in the grasp, you're in the pocket. He's blindly throwing the ball to to no one, and uh, he turns the ball over. and And that is a that's a mistake of a young quarterback. And, and but that's that's what he does. Like um, I, I say, young because he's, I he's. was
0: like how young is Nick Mullins?
1: He, he's young in this in start twenty eight. Yeah. But he's young and experienced. Let me put it that way. He, he doesn't have right. a lot of experience. He, he does not last time he started was like two years ago or something like that. Right. Um, and so Mullins, he just, he, what he is, is the reason they went back to him is because they, they designed an offense for Kirk cousins and they, when they had Josh Dobbs, I don't think they knew how to use Josh jobs properly. And then eventually the bottom fell out with Josh Dobbs, kind of like we had predicted. And uh, Nick Mullins is the closest to Kirk cousins that they have. And so they're going back to him to try and run the offense that they want to run. Uh, The offense that they want to run is essentially by run by Kevin O'Connell. The head coach is also the offensive coordinator. Um, he is from the Sean McVay system. So you're going to see a lot of offense that we've seen from the Vikings, similar style of offense that we've seen the last couple of years, which is essentially like a West coast with a lot of uh, play action screens. Um, And then remember that McVay also comes from the the Shanahan system, which is um, a lot of outside zone running. And so that gets incorporated here with the Vikings as well. The, the passing is effective because they have really good sk- offensive skill players. The running game is not effective and one of the big reasons is because their offensive line doesn't get a lot of push. And so uh we'll get into this like I said. We'll we'll start breaking it down here, but that's kind of an overview like of what their offense has been. It's been very kind of up and down um all season and then to have to go move from quarterback to quarterback to quarterback has really just been, they've been constantly like just trying to play from behind and uh, and and get themselves settled. And they really haven't been able to.
0: All right, well, we talked about the quarterback position. It'll be Nick Mullins on Sunday. The running back is Ty Chandler, who had a great game against the Bengals on uh, Saturday, over 130 yards rushing. Uh, Alexander Madison had been the running back for several weeks previously to that. And then Kini Naguanu, as the
1: number three back. Um, So Madison was, was even technically the starter up until this week because he was injured. Chandler got the nod and then Chandler performed well enough that they said, we're going to stick with Chandler as the starter and have uh, Madison as the, uh, as the backup. Uh, But Madison is uh, Madison's dealing with an ankle injury and he hasn't practiced this week. So it's very possible. He's not available. And if he isn't, it's it's going to be the uh, the Ty Chandler show. Now, Ty Chandler comes on. They give him the ball 23 times. He runs for 132 yards and a touchdown. And everybody is saying, man, where? why haven't they played this kid before? Look at this. Look at how great he is. And they're saying this is going to be a totally new Vikings rushing attack. Well, I'm gonna put a pin in that for a second here, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna. If, if you're nervous about the Vikings' new, uh, newfangled rushing attack, I want to give you a couple of stats that that I that might alleviate some of your concerns. First of all, I want to go to the some deeper DVOA stats. All right, one of them is called uh, a stuffed adjusted lines percentage. That is essentially like um, how much push is your offensive line getting. Okay. For example, the lions are fourth in the league. They get the fourth most amount of push on, on run plays where they just, they just, they give the offense, they give the running back multiple yards before he can get hit. The Vikings are 26th in the NFL. So they're like bottom, almost five, right? Bottom six here. They are, uh, they don't get a lot of push and because they don't get a lot of push, it's, forcing them, their back to be more athletic than he needs to be, or then he, you know, he has to pick up a lot of the slack. Um, Matson has struggled with that because of it, because he hasn't been getting that push with the offensive line. Now, Ty Chandler, he looked great, but since he's run defense is 29th in DVOA, they're one of the worst run defenses in the league. They average, and I'm going to get the numbers so that I'm not speaking out of turn because I wrote them down. All right. Chandler, I'm going to remind you, Chandler ran for 23. He ran 23 touches, 132 yards, and a touchdown. Cincinnati's defense gives up, on average, 27 rushes, 129 yards per game, and 1.1 rushing touchdowns. He literally did the exact, almost did the exact average of what Cincy gives up on any given day. So, it's not like since he's this world beater of a D of a run defense that this guy is all of a sudden making hay on. Now, is he a good back? He looks pretty good. Yeah. Like I said, he looked good against the Bengals, but we need to have some perspective here and realize that his one really good game was against a really bad past uh, run defense. And we need to make sure that we're not like turning him into the next Adrian Peterson. Like I've, uh, I've read on some of the Minnesota papers uh, earlier this week when when doing my my research. So I think they're going to try and lean on them. At the same time, the Lions have a uh, you know their DVOA run defense is fourth, and they're fourth because they've been great all year, and I expect them to be great again.
0: All right, the
1: uh, off the wider... box
0: no i do you love your soapbox you love pointing out the uh you know whenever some teams coming in and they're they seem to be ascending or seem to be <laughs> flying high at some level you got to try to drag them back down you, know, you got to point out oh, there's a little you got poke some holes in here they're like yeah maybe it's all right but then maybe we should take a look at this <laughs> wide receiver core for minnesota very good justin jefferson um this is the Lions' first experience with rookie Jordan Addison. We'll see if he's a Lion killer. The, the Vikings seem to find a way to find those guys. K.J. Osborne, Brandon Powell, Jalen Naylor.
1: Um, And Naylor's dealing with a concussion and has been dealing with a concussion for a couple of weeks. And so the he has not practiced this week it, either, which is not good news for Naylor. But at the same time, the the top 4 that they have because Powell has kind of stepped in when 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 Jefferson was hurt the top 4 are all healthy and they're all talented Osborne group. Osborne has been really good against the Lions in the past Jefferson is probably one of the top 2 or 3 wide receivers in the NFL if not the top wide receiver in the NFL and Addison looks like a really good player he's a first round pick for a reason and he's got a lot of potential. I think he's going to be a really good receiver. So the, this is the strongest part of their team. Uh, they have really talented pass catchers, a really talented wide receiver group, and so this is this is the area that the Lions need to be the most concerned about. Uh, at the same time, getting to ball, getting the ball to them is what the problem has been, and because of their different alternating of quarterbacks and stuff, and so hopefully the Lions can take advantage of that. But at the same time, there's going to be opportunities for Nick Mullins to just throw the ball out and his receivers are going to make plays and they're going to get yak and they're going to put up yards on uh, through the air. And for the lions who have struggled against the pass at times, it's going to be maybe one of their most vulnerable. And so this is the area that, that I think is raises the biggest concern, uh, uh, for the lions. I think they. They have to be very cautious in uh, in their approach with these receivers, and they'll have to have a really good game plan because, like I said, there's this is the strongest part of the Vikings roster.
0: All right, tight end group starters: someone we know real well, T.J. Hawkinson, and his 91 receptions on the season. Josh Oliver, Johnny Munt, and Nick Muse.
1: Yeah, all three of those uh, tight ends play. Hawkinson's obviously the the top one, um, but and Hawkinson's. I think the lead, the number one tight end in 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 receptions yeah, and in yards. Receptions. If I'm not mistaken, Yeah, so. right? yeah ninety one um,
0: and just over nine hundred. Yeah,
1: yeah, huge, huge volume. Uh, his volume in Minnesota has been way larger than he ever had in Detroit, and so um, you know they had a. Campbell idea. didn't really
0: like him. <laughs> well, whatever it was right it was, all along.
1: I I, I believe that a hundred percent. I do think though he's being maximized a little bit more. I think the Lions wanted him to be more of a dual tight end, uh, whereas the Vikings are more comfortable just sending him out. Uh, and he is, I think he's their number two option uh, behind Jefferson. And maybe Addison creeps into that, but Hawkinson is going to be a guy that is going to be looking to play well, and his volume is way up there. And I am sure he's going to be very motivated to play the Lions. And um, he's somebody you have to be concerned with, obviously. Uh, Josh Oliver is a real good tight end as well. And, and Munt is the, is not a bad tight end three. He's, having a, he's I think he's an average player, but he's having a good year.
0: All right, fullback C.J. Ham Been their fullback forever.
1: Yeah, he's all right. He, I mean, he, he tends he'll do something that'll be like, oh man, and then uh, that'll be the one thing he does that game.
0: <laughs> All right, offensive line, left to right: Christian Darrisaw, Dalton Risner, Garrett Bradbury, Ed Ingram, and Brian O'Neill.
1: Uh, Darrisaw's really good, uh, getting better. Brian O'Neill has had a really good season as well, so both tackles have been great. Uh, uh, O'Neal though, has not played this week and he missed last week as well. So the fact that he missed last week, if, if he had just missed two games or two practices this week, I I'd, I'd say, all right, there's still a chance he plays, but the fact that he missed last week as well, you know, he's, he's missed, he's missed a lot of time, a lot of practice time. So it's starting to look like he might not play. Uh, and if he doesn't, that's a big advantage, uh, for the lions because he's a much more, He's a much more talented, uh, tackle than David Quisenberry, who, uh, who's their backup and really their whole backup offensive line is is, I think subpar, um, Garrett Bradbury, I think is, is average. Ingram is average. Ezra Cleveland was their best interior lineman. And then they traded him because they knew they weren't going to be able to afford to pay him next year. Uh, and Risner Dalton Risner, the guy who they acquired from Denver over the off season, or uh, signed, I guess I should say. Um, I don't think he's played very well for them, and so the interior is vulnerable. And so Noah Leem is obviously still uh, a problem, but the way that the Lions have attacked the interior of the of the uh, offensive lines in re- recently means that i exp- I would be I wouldn't be surprised to seeing them do that again. And so that means using athletic pass rushers on the inside. That means blitzing linebackers uh, through the a gaps. Those are ways to take advantage of this line. Uh, Good pass, good and pass protection. And, and, and if they can give Mullins time, you know, like I said, Mullins, he's got targets to throw to, but they're not as impactful against the run. And I think the lions will be good there. And if they can make the offensive line, you know, If they can stall the offensive line in the run game, then the offense becomes more one-dimensional, and then that allows you to tee off on them a little bit better, which means more pass rush, more athletes, more ability to blitz, and you can see – a. I expect a, a similar type game plan uh, that we saw against Denver – It'd be very nice to see a lot of creative blitzing, uh, the way the way what we saw against um the Broncos last week because that was very impactful and I think uh, a big difference in, in their ability to have success on defense.
0: All right, flipping over to the defensive side of the ball for uh the Brian Flores, uh, Viking defense mm-hmm. run a three four, you're gonna see. Harrison phillips you're going to see jonathan bullard on that front line if they go bigger uh you're going to see jaquel and roy you're going to see sheldon day you'll see you'll see kiris tunga um but really it'll be mostly bullard and phillips with danelle hunter and dj wanham on the outside
1: so before we get too deep into that i want to just
0: let's just overview what flores does
1: right he does run a three four and he will put That base three four on the field, uh, you know, at will. The thing is, is Flores will line up eight guys, six, seven, eight guys, all on the line of scrimmage, and then he'll blitz six of them, or he'll bring six of them, or maybe he brings six, or maybe he brings all eight. Like he, he will show you everything that you want. There, they blitz more than anyone else in the league, and they also only rush three more than anyone else in the league. They will drop eight into coverage all the time. So they'll show you a look with like eight on the line of scrimmage and they could all come or they could all drop. Like it's, it, it, they have this ability to vary what they want to do on all, on all situations. So in their base, uh, Bullard is one of their ends. Tonga is, is another, and Phillips is their, their best player against the run. Phillips though has a back injury and he has not practiced this week and he's their best run defender. So that's a potential opening for the Lions because right in the dead middle of their defensive line their best run def- defender may not play. And if he doesn't that's going to open things up a lot. His backup Sheldon Day is also dealing with an ankle injury though he's been play- he's been able to work through it. So there's some, and then even Bullard has a, has an, uh, an ankle injury. as way that he's working his way through. So this kind of stout interior that they have is banged up, and because they're banged up, there could be some vulnerabilities to it a little bit more than what you would expect. At the edge, though, you mentioned that Daniel Hunter, or, uh, Daniel Hunter, and uh, and uh, DJ, DJ Wanham, Wanham are there. Are there starting like edge guys and those five, like when they're in their base, those five guys that we just talked about—Bullard, Phillips, Tonga, um, Hunter, and and Wanham, those five will all be on the line of scrimmage, and they'll drop one. Like they might, like they, I, the game that I most—I just watched—they were dropping Wanham into coverage and bringing the other ones. Um, Hunter has found success in this new scheme. He's he's blitz. Um, I'm sorry, his his uh, sack rate is is way up from where he's been in recent years. And um, so he's a guy that you're going to have to account for. Uh, He was sick on Wednesday, didn't practice. He was back in a limited capacity. Shouldn't be an issue, but illnesses are, yeah. Illnesses are always kind of funky and you never know what happens with them. Um, If you go be hot, be beyond them at the edge, Pat Jones and Andre Carter um they're not very good um that's, they le- they lean on Hunter and wantham a lot for this and because of their creativity and how they bring pressure and they'll bring the blitz linebackers they'll blitz defensive backs they don't need them to be right like they they focus a lot on their starters and they get they end up getting production because of how they scheme that production up. More than like just saying we have more talented guys than you, and you know guys that are beating, you know, beating their one on ones or something like that, right? It's more this defense, and especially this front, it's more about the design, the play design, and the play calls as opposed to the players that are uh, executing.
0: The off the ball linebackers: Ivan Pace Jr. and Troy Die with Brian Osamoa the second, Nick Vigil off the bench.
1: And they have Jordan Hicks, uh, who is on IR, who his clock has started this week as well. Um, So we don't know if he's going to be back or not. Uh, If he comes back, he'll probably bump die, um, in my opinion. Um, I thought Pace has shown a lot of improvement this year. He was a guy who I think we talked about uh, in the the offseason, um, he ended up being undrafted, but he's a guy who has shown a lot of development and and if Hicks comes back, he'll give them another nice off the ball guy. Troy Dye is okay, but he's um you know I think he's average an average linebacker and and Osamoa is is in my opinion undersized uh, for for the off the ball spot and, and Vigil is not I mean, I'm not overly impressed with him either right now. I think he's had kind of a down year, so off the ball again. They'll blitz their best right now. Pace is playing at a at a at a level that I think is really helping them out. Um, he can do a variety of things from that off the ball spot, and uh, they're being creative with him. But getting Hicks back would be a, a another bump up for them right
0: now. All right, in the back end, we'll start with the corners: so Caleb Evans and. Byron Murphy Jr. are the corners backups with Mekhi Blackman, Andrew Booth Jr., Najee Thompson.
1: Uh, Murphy has been dealing with a hamstring injury, and he has not practiced this week either. And so it's possible that he misses this game. Murphy is, um, uh, he was really good at Washington back in the day, right? And, um, you know, Arizona picked him up or drafted him, and then he's, he's, He's travel now travel ended up here. Um, I don't think he's having a great season, but he's not a bad corner overall. Um, Evans is a guy they rely on a lot, but again, I don't think Evans, I think Evans is kind of average um right now. He's only in his second year, so he's still developing. Booth is also in his second year. Booth was actually a higher draft pick than Evans. Um, if you remember Booth, I believe he played at Clemson, if I'm not mistaken. Um and I think he has some some ceiling to him, but they're very young. And then Blackman was a third round pick this past year. So outside of Murphy, their outside corners are young, like all first and second year players. And so if Murphy can't go, it's a lot of inexperience uh, that that they have out there. Even though they've been they, they're you know like I said they're they're average to above average players with some potential. They're also vulnerable because uh, they lack some experience.
0: All right. The safety group, they'll start three safeties uh, Harrison Smith, Cameron Bynum, and Josh Metellus. Off the bench, Theo Jackson, Jay War, Lewis Seen.
1: Seen a first round pick. And that, that, yeah, that, draft, oh man, he has not turned into anything, which is a shock to me because Seen had all this potential. At Georgia, like he, w- he was, he was unbelievable at Georgia. Like to the point that Lions fans were disappointed
0: that you know, yeah, he was, yeah, he was that he didn't end up, yeah, on the Lions. The Lions right? That that they were hoping, yeah, that he would fall to them in the second round. Um,
1: and then they end up with Kirby Joseph that draft instead, and that's that worked out very well. So, uh, but scene just can't he's he's been a healthy scratch more often than not. Just he just cannot find the field. Um, Harrison Smith is a veteran he's also um, been in the league for 11 years so he's uh, he's he's aging rapidly and you can tell he's not quite the player he was but he is still tremendous he's still a great player Um, Bynum has been really good as well I think Smith the Smith Bynum connection uh, is, is really good and but Metellus is really the straw that stirs this drink um, right now. He has the he, Metellus has played, and I don't have the list in front of me, but he has played almost every spot on the defense. He's played both safety spots. He's played nickel. He's played outside corner. He's played uh linebacker. He's played edge. And he's even taken a, a snap or two at defensive tackle. Like, He can do it all, like and obviously defensive tackle was in like a NASCAR type situation, but still, the point is, is they use him like all over the place, and so, yes, he's a nickel, or yes, he's going to be technically kind of slotted as a nickel, but he's not going to be limited in that aspect. He's going to be a guy that they move, and he's going to be a guy that they can utilize. The question is is he the guy that used to try and take out Amon Ra? Is he the guy they used to try and uh, ISO up Sam Laporta? And if you put Metellus on one of them, who takes the other and, and will they, will they be able to handle them? I'm not, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that right now. I don't know exactly what their game plan is going to be, but my kind of gut is that because they're so aggressive up front and bring in the way that they bring blitz and the way they drop, they're basically just going to play a lot of zone. Like that, that's what they've done. Like that's essentially what they have is they, they have this three, four front with a zone defense or zone secondary behind it. And you drop uh, eight or you, you know, blitz six and drop five, five, you know, or you, or you bring seven or eight and then you're only dropping three or four. And I expect them to keep kind of playing that zone and not trying to match up one-on-one with anyone in specific. And when you Aren't matching up with anyone specific on the Lions, and you're just playing that kind of zone shell. If the offensive line can pick up the blitz, there's gonna be holes in that zone, and then uh Jared Goff will have an opportunity to find him. And so that's I think the game plan on offense is be ready for the blitz, uh, be able to pick up the blitz, give Jared Goff time. And just let him find the holes in the zone because he's got the talented players that understand how to break zones, understand how to sit in zones. And, um, you know, I don't, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for Jared Goff to find success against the, so this kind of back half secondary against tight ends, they're 18th in the, uh, in DVOA and in, in coverage against tight ends. They're 18th in uh, coverage against running backs and they're 23rd in giving up passes over the middle. Uh, when they run this zone that they run, and even when they drop eight, there are vulnerabilities in it. Most notably is the middle of the field. The other ones are kind of that those what they, you know, John Gruden used to call the turkey hole, right? Which is like just which is over the corner, but before the safety can get to the outside. There's that little spot over there. That is a Josh Reynolds spot Josh Reynolds usually kind of feasts in those spots um that spot will be open and um the middle of the field and if you've got a running back a tight end and some and guys who can work over the middle of the field you, those are the vulnerable spots of the Vikings defense and, and that I think plays right into what the Lions want to do so I expect them to try and run the ball which uh they have a good run defense but if Harrison Phillips doesn't play, it makes him a little bit leakier. And then the focus is going to be on picking up that blitz and then just trying to pick the secondary apart. And like I said, it's it's going to be an interesting chess game because if the Lions can handle the blitz, there's opportunities. Here, here's Here's a fun stat. The Vikings give up the highest pass completion percentage in the NFL. Because when you blitz that many guys, if the quarterback reads it, they're getting easy dump-offs for easy receptions. Or if you're dropping back into zones, sometimes they have to take the quarterbacks will take the check down and get the easy reception. So this aggressive blitzing style can work against the Vikings if you have a good enough offensive line to pick it up. Seeing Denver last week, who was another one of the, one of the highest blitzing teams in the league, and seeing how they were able to – pick up Denver's blitzes I think is a very fortuitous time to to play Denver right before you play Minnesota because it gets you in the right mindset of being able to pick those blitzes up so expect Flores to be trying to be be creative if the offensive line holds up Jared Goff can can find the weaknesses in that zone and I think that there's opportunity there
0: Special teams. The kickers, Greg Joseph, who has rather pedestrian numbers over his career, although he can hit from over fifty yards out. Ryan Wright's the punter, who's put up some pretty decent numbers in his two seasons.
1: Yeah, I don't have much to say. Um, I'm with you on Greg Joseph. I think he's in average to below average kicker. Um I think I don't think he's anything uh where you're like, let's send him out for the game, to kick the game winner type of thing.
0: Brandon Powell will return the puns. Keeney Nguangwu is going to return the kickoffs. Neither of them are super dangerous there. No uh, long snappers, Andrew De Paula. And now you and I will sit in awkward silence.
1: Well, actually
0: now, I you looked know up something about this guy. I I looked
1: up his PFF score. He was very high. Uh, so apparently he's good. That's about it. That's all I know. His PFF score was in the seventies. So that's, that, that's, that's, uh that's respectable.
0: All right. Well, from here, let's, uh, Who's going to win the game, Eric? Oh, okay, all right.
1: So I know I I I I it's my turn to go because uh, you picked Denver and one last week I I picked Denver last week. So that let me just set the stage here, just to double check. He's changed
0: the lighting for none of you can (laughs) see this. But (laughs) no, no, I had to look lighting.
1: I had to look up my uh, I had to look up the stat sheet. It it lit my computer differently. Um. So we're at eight. I'm at eight and you're at six, which means mm-hmm. I'm in the barn, right? I'm ready to. Yeah, I, this all I, gotta is, it. Do is, I am the lions in this scenario. Yep. All if I need win. is one win in order to, uh, to take home the title. Now this would be my first title in the six years we've been doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited
0: to see if I can try <laughs> and take this home. It also dovetails with the, well, the second winning season. Because our first year was a winning season, right? They were nine and seven, or were they? Um, Is that our first year? Let's. I can't remember. My my mind doesn't go back that far. I mean, they were
1: nine. They were nine and eight last year, but. um, Well, yeah, okay, you're right. So yeah, but yeah, no, but but I I do think like we haven't seen the playoffs since fourteen. We no sixteen. We haven't seen the playoffs since. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, We were not covering. Uh, we were not running the podcast at the, during yeah, that. Yeah, I think
0: we started a few weeks after that playoff game or something. Right? That was that probably was what we did.
1: Um, and then, uh, as a as an organization or as a, as fans, we haven't seen a division title in 30 years. Last one was 1993, um, when it wasn't even called the NFC North at that time, right? Right. Um, it was the, the old Central. NFC Norris Division.
0: <laughs> as
1: as as Berman's always as Berman said, right? used to call it yep, the old yep.
0: NFC central
1: I uh I wrote an article this week Fun uh side note and I wrote Norris I it, uh, I don't know why I like I don't know if I was just drilled in your head channeling my inner Chris Berman but I wrote they haven't won it since they were the NFC or the NFC Norris division and I don't know why I did that subconscious whatever uh, I had to go back and correct it and call it the Central, but um, and if you
0: look back in time, like the the NHL Norris Division yeah. wasn't even a division for that long, you know. Nor mm-hmm. was it in the version. I mean, it was when he started calling the NFC Nor the NFC Central, the NFC Norris. A lot of, between the North Stars and the Blackhawks and the Red Wings. Yeah, all those teams were in the same. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in the same division together, but even the Norris wasn't even around for that long. So you know, the youngsters around today they hear that and say, "What? What even is that?" You know, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, I
1: don't. I made that. I made that error where I just subconsciously threw there. I don't. Th- there. It's not an error. It's fine. <laughs> um. So. All right, so I have to make my prediction first. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right off the bat. I have the line. The Lions are gonna win this, right? I think this is this is set up for them. They play well on the road. The opportunity to clinch the division has been Dan Campbell's focus from the moment he's he stepped into Allen Park. Uh this is where they This is what he has been planning for, and they want to wrap this thing up. They're going to be dialed in for it. I don't think. I don't I just don't I don't see it. I, I see I see weaknesses uh that the Lions can take advantage of on defense. I also see problems with the Vikings offense that the Lions can take advantage of. Uh at the same time, the Vikings have the ability to score. And because of that, they've been in some tight, ty- and because they have a good defense that's kept them in tight games. They have been in uh, every game that they've had, I think has been a one score game or every loss they've had has been a one score game at least. And so I do think it's going to be a little bit tighter than uh, what we would hope for. I don't, I'm not expecting a, uh, a blowout like we saw against the Broncos, but at the same time, I still think the lions are going to bring it home. So for this game, uh i'm going to say it's a boy, i didn't have the i don't have the score ready let me think for a oh, second oh boy i'm going to go i'm just going to go 2724 i mean it's going to be tight so i'm going to say i'm just i'm going go back to 2724 i know i picked that number last week um but i do think it's going to be a i do think there's a lot of similarities And, uh, and I, I think
0: it's going to be like a a three or four point game. So 27, 24. All right. And since I've got to do whatever it takes to stay on the other side of the ledger, I'm going to pick the Vikings 24, 23. Well, you know, if this is this, things don't come easy for the lions, you know, and we hope they just bust down the door. They like, they know what's on the line. They know it's all on. If they, do it themselves there's no questioning anything they okay win on Sunday they win the division but you know the Vikings are aware of that too and they get to play okay. at home they get to defend their home turf and so you know nothing nothing worth it is, is easy so like they, they might have to do this the hard way so I'm going to say Lions lose to the Vikings 24-23
1: ooh well if they yeah. lose you go to Dallas and then you get the Vikings again you have two and more so... chances
0: to win the division
1: Yeah, and that Dallas game is going to be hard, right? So,
0: I mean, we'll see, you know, like it probably is, you know, like, but in this NFL, you never know what's going on from week to week, you know. (laughs) So, um, the Vikings beat the the 49ers, and you know, now the 49ers look more or less unbeatable, you know, (laughs) unless you have them, unless they play Arizona some week and look terrible, you know, it doesn't. Sometimes that that, Arizona is the wrong way, but sometimes it doesn't have to make a whole lot of sense.
1: So in my season prediction um, that I made back when the schedule was released back in uh, April, early May, whenever it was, um, I predicted a 12 and five season for the lions. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in the last three games, I predicted loss here loss neck against the Cowboys and then a win to get to 12 and five. So I don't think this is a loss anymore. I still like my 12 and five. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like I, I, like I, I still, I think they can beat the, the, the Vikings both times uh, to get their 12 wins. And that Dallas game is tricky, right? Because when you watch Dallas play at home, They look like juggernauts, but when you watch them play on the road, they're vulnerable. So Dallas is going to play Miami on the road this week, right? And so that's, that's a game they might lose. And if they do, are they're going to need to, to be heavily focused on the lions to beat the lions, to stay in the hunt with Philly to win the division. So they're going to be really just trying to do everything they can the lions may have the division wrapped up and it and they may be a little, I don't want to say more casual, but you know, they're not going to have the intensity at the same time, if they do bring that intensity. So I I said, they, they, I want to say they may not have that intensity, but if they do and they do beat the, the Cowboys, well, now we're talking about potential number two seed, not just the number three seed that the lions are currently in. So, if you can, if they can win out, they can get that two seed then, but let's get through this first one first, right? Let's get through the Vikings first and let's take that right. next step.
0: But you if gotta, they, they got to bust that, that door down first, Eric, yep. if they can, but
1: if, they, time. if they can take that next step, there's, there, there's going to be a lot of fun conversations for us to have next week about what they, because our conversations next week can be very different, right? Like if they win, we're going to be talking about can they get the two seed? If they right. lose, we're going to be talking about, uh oh, what's going to happen next? Right? Like this is this, if they can this, even is, lose
0: the three seed.
1: Well, right. Well,
0: it'll still be in they, the bounce. Yeah, unlikely, could, they, but it's yeah. still there.
1: Yeah, Um, there's a lot of weird scenarios that can still happen. So this is a big game because you have such a big opponent coming up next. And so taking care of business right now is key. And so, excuse me. So I expect them to be dialed in. If I'm not mistaken, uh, I'm guessing the Rams held on to win. Is that correct? Yeah, they they, yeah
0: it was 33 to 20 or something like that.
1: All right. So that means the Lions still technically are not in the playoffs. You know what, though? Good. I'm glad. <laughs> right? I'm glad they're not in the playoffs because that's just even more uh, motivation, right? And maybe it won't be more motivation for them, but for me it is. And so um, I'm glad that this game has a lot on the line because take care of business now, and then it sets up a whole new world of opportunities. If you don't, it's a totally different conversation. So I'm excited. I'm excited for this game. I'm excited to see where it will go. And uh, I'm excited to see
0: a 30-year drought come to an end, hopefully on Sunday. All right, Rams 130 to 22. Now, mini history lesson. Uh, the mm-hmm. NHL Norris division was around from 1974 to 1993. So only 19 years, right? Okay. And it wasn't in, in the form that, you know, Berman was truly referencing from 1979 to 1993 where it include for all those no it wasn't even no it was 1981 to 1993 so for 12 years where the division included the Chicago Blackhawks the Detroit Red Wings the Minnesota North Stars who are now the Dallas Stars right like so those three teams where there's a crossover to the NFC Central and then eventually with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers also in the NFC Central the Tampa Bay Lightning joined the Norris division for their first season in uh, 1992. So that's where the whole Norris division thing comes from. Right. And that I think was around for 12 years of your life in the form yes. that Berman mentioned it. You yeah. are still using it 30 <laughs> years later. I know it's crazy. Isn't that something. I, I mean, it is. you were a kid when that was yeah. you know, happening. So of course it makes an imprint yes. on you, but you know, it's wild how those things work. It is yeah, should have been something that should have been long forgotten. You know?
1: It's sh- you know what though? Like it, it's crazy how those things stick, though. Like, because I mean, like, it was it was honestly like muscle memory to write Norris when I was thinking about it, and so um, yeah, it's strange. Berman, uh Berman had a way, has a way, or he currently still does. He has a way with words, right? And he has a right. way of making things stick, so yeah, boy, that's crazy old almost, old man oh good no i was gonna say it's like almost three times removed from how long it was actually right. around
0: for crazy old man comment mm. i like the nhl divisions when they had the, uh, the wacky <laughs> old founder the names. name you know the the, the campbell yeah. conference the prince of wales sure. conference the Smythe division mm-hmm. patrick <laughs> adams division yeah you know but that, that's a long begotten era they, they, the nhl felt that it was more important that everybody's region be rec- represented it was more understandable <laughs> to everybody to be you know named after the portion you know, after ordinal dimensions <laughs> and, or ordinal directions um all right reviews uh Oh, we got iTunes. one right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They pumped up a little bit. Pola 0732 left a great five star review. We appreciate that. Yeah, it was we also very did A little nice. bit of a boost on the the Spotify. So you know, we thank you for that. You know, keep writing them if you feel like it. You know, we appreciate all that all that feedback.
1: Yeah, that was very nice. I I, I enjoyed that, and it was it's helpful, right? Like, so like with the if you only listen to like podcasts on your phone. Um and you go to the 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 site or like I don't know the the section where where our podcast is like if you don't know how to expand to all the old reviews you only see like the most recent five right and so right. it's nice to have like really nice comments in those most recent five for people who you know are new or looking and trying to find a, a, a podcast you know to to, right. to make up their time so Just it's always. Out it's always great. It's always great to have, uh, those, those nice comments at the ready and available. All right. Do you have anything to add, Eric? No, man, I'm, I'm hoping that we, that we just, it's, it's a nice, easy, fun show for us next week and not, uh, not wringing out the tears out of our, out of our shirts or anything. (laughs) All (laughs) right.
0: Well, that's it. That's all we got this week. Eric's got to get some rest and so do I everybody out there hope you have a merry christmas or a happy holidays in general and uh, we as eric mentioned we'll see you next week so until next time let's go lions